On this episode of Benchwarming Podcast, we talk about the disappointment that was the Super Bowl and why I didn't post about it sooner. I also talk about what we can expect from the NFL in the upcoming offseason. Then we finally get to switch gears into baseball because baseball starts soon. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, and somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back to Ben Chorming Podcast. It's been about three weeks since y'all have heard from me in my defense. I was going to do a show on the Super Bowl. It was a big joke. Couldn't really say anything about it after everything that I watched. And then also in my defense, I did have something kind of planned and I recorded something about the NFL offseason, kind of switching into the MLB season. And when I was recording, something went wrong. All of my files got corrupted. And so I lost it all. But here we sit. We're just going to go ahead and dive on into things. We're going to start with the NFL. You know, I'm going to touch a little bit on the Super Bowl, but there's not much to say. As I mentioned earlier, it was kind of a joke. It ended up being a low-scoring game, kind of like I expected it to be. You know, Tom Brady really didn't impress, but he played well enough to win the game. And, you know, first half, I, I loved watching the first half. It was a great defensive matchup in my mind. And despite the fact that it was only 3-3 at the half, it was a very good game. But then, you know, it kind of started to go downhill starting in that second half. You know, the Rams offense just really, really disappointed. And there's not much else to say. I mean, I still am on the believing track that Todd Gurley was never fully healthy after he re-injured his knee earlier in the season. And, well, I guess it wasn't earlier in the season. It was kind of towards the end of the season. But I really don't think that he ever truly got healthy again. And I think that over time, throughout the offseason, he will have a chance to get better. But at the same time, I think that, you know, you have to sit back and look at it like this. Sean McVay said it best. He just got outcoached. There's nothing else to say. I mean, this Rams offense that we saw pulling off all kinds of crazy things throughout the season and doing all this stuff that no one else had really seen just disappeared. I mean, those plays were gone when it came time for the Super Bowl. You know, if you get to the Super Bowl... By doing something, you can't just quit it once you get to that game. That's just, that doesn't make a whole lot of logic to me. I think that we will see them return to relevance. I don't know necessarily if they'll be back in the Super Bowl next year, but I do think that they will be relevant again. I do think that what we will see is a strong season from them. I think that as time goes on, Jared Goff is going to continue to get better. I mean, he's still a very young player, and kind of like I expected, he really didn't have a whole lot of experience in big games on the NFL stage. I mean, yeah, I've talked about it in the last show. He had a few big games here and there. You know, that Monday night football game was a big game. Then they also played the Bears on a Sunday night football game. But outside of that, you know, you kind of look back to last year when they got to the playoffs and the same thing kind of happened. He just kind of fell short. It sucks, but, you know, this is kind of where we're at. I think that, like I said, Gurley will be back next year. The Rams will be back. I think that the Patriots, again, are going to somehow be in the mix somewhere. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, I'm also, I if you look at teams to kind of throw in the mix for the Super Bowl next year, you know, way too early preview of what I think we could see. You know, you got to throw in the Pats and the Rams from this year. You got to throw in the Chiefs again if they can get a stronger defense. I think they'll be back at the top, no problem. The Saints, I think, will be right in the middle somewhere. I don't necessarily know if they'll be at the top like they were this year, 
but I do think they'll be right in the middle of it. You know, you have the Bears, who I expect to be doing pretty good things over the next couple years. You know, the Colts should be up there again. We should see at least one more season of the Chargers doing well before we kind of start to see a drop-off from Rivers. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than one year, but you never really know when it comes to this kind of stuff. I think that we continue to see the fall-off of the Steelers. I don't think that they get back into the playoffs next year. I could be wrong, but I don't foresee it. You know, the Ravens should maintain at least a little bit of relevancy, and that's pretty much what I'm seeing from the AFC picture when it comes to this, are just those few teams, and then... You know, I mean, you can take a step back and look at some other teams in the AFC. You know, you have the Jaguars who were good last year, but then this year they didn't do very well. If they don't go out and get a quarterback, they're going to continue to flop. It's that plain and simple. They need to get that quarterback. They need to get someone that can actually make plays, and they just don't have it right now. And I, I hate to say that. I hate to see it because, you know, I love seeing good football teams. I love seeing competitive games, especially, you know, when they're in the division of the Colts because I root for the Colts. I love seeing these competitive games. But until we see them go out and get this quarterback, they aren't going to have competitive games. And, you know, you can throw in some other teams. The Titans might be up in the mix again. But outside of that, it's hard to really see anyone else really doing anything to make themselves stand out from the pack. Unfortunately, you know, one of the things that we did see, Flacco got traded to the uh, Broncos. It's technically not official yet. It won't be official until the start of the new year for the league, which I believe is March 13th or 15th, one of those two dates. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. But upon the start of that new year, that trade should be finalized. That pretty much signifies, well, it does signify the start of the Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore so you know they're on that train fully somehow this trade actually lowered the Broncos chances of getting into the Super Bowl I don't really know how but they did I think that Flacco is a better quarterback than Keenum you know I could sit here and argue all day that Flacco is a better quarterback than Keenum but I still don't think that he is good enough to get them into the Super Bowl so I kind of understand it but I believe that the odds should have at least stayed the same it's crazy that a trade for a player like Flacco lowers it. You know, I'm not going to get into the odds. I'm not going to get into the betting because, you know, it's just not, that is not my area of expertise. I just sit back and watch the games in general and kind of know about that area of everything. It's just the actual game aspect of it. You know, those are really the big things that have happened since the end of the Super Bowl is that Flacco got traded and some teams have made their wants clear. Some of them have made it clear that they don't want Brown and Bell. And I think that that at this point in the season, in the off season, I guess it's not the off season anymore, but at this point, those are the big questions is where are Brown and Bell going to end up? Are they going to be together? Are they going to be separated? I fully expect them to be on different teams. And that's not just saying, oh, I don't expect them to be on the Steelers. I clearly don't expect them to be on the Steelers. But what I meant by separate teams, I don't, I expect one to end up in, on one team and then the other end up on a different one. I don't expect them to go somewhere together just because that's a lot of money and I don't think that teams have the ability to shell that out. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with Brown if he gets the trade like he's wanting or if he is going to kind of pull a bell and stay on the Steelers because they couldn't trade him or didn't want to trade him and sit out for a season. I don't really know where these guys are going to end up. You know, you can sit back and you can say, oh, they could end up here. Oh, they could end up here. A big name that you constantly hear thrown around with Le'Veon Bell is the Eagles. I don't necessarily think he belongs on the Eagles. I don't think that that's something that they want to bring into that locker room. I don't think it's something they should want to bring into that locker room. And here's why. I mean, they have a very young quarterback and, you know, I feel like 
where he's at in his career and who Carson Wentz is would kind of clash with who Le'Veon Bell is. And that's not necessarily something that you want in, you know, two players that are supposed to be leading your team, especially when you're coming off a season like this, where you barely make it into the playoffs and then survive through a missed field goal in the first round. And then you, you're on the way to come back against the Saints. And then you have a player, you have Alshon Jeffrey just the ball just goes right through his hands, get picks off, gets picked off, and that ends the game. To bring in, I understand bringing in a player such as Bell would be huge, but I don't think that that, I think that would affect the locker room much more than what you would expect it to. And I think that that's something that you really want to avoid if you're the Eagles. You know, it's kind of been talked about with the Colts getting into this, but they kind of made it clear that they don't really want that. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't, I don't want Bell on my team after seeing what he did this past year. It, it re- Bell really hurt himself by sitting out this year just because I think that it really put a lot of emphasis on his character. And I do think that that is a big thing when it comes to this is people don't want a bad character on their team. They want their team to be solid as a whole. One weak link in that fence can just really mess it up. And I don't know where he's going to end up. I think one place that I would be very curious to see him end up even though I don't foresee it happening at all I would love to see him end up in Buffalo just because they really really outdid my expectations this year you know if you bring in a great running back like Bell I mean let's be honest LaShawn McCoy is on his way out he played decently but he is getting up there and you know when he was in his prime LaShawn McCoy was great but I think that it's time at some point that you have to start realizing it's time to move on we have this young quarterback we have some good playmakers around him Let's add a solid running back who's going to help push us over that edge on the offense. And when you're playing in the AFC East, in this case, you know, you have to do something to set yourself above to get above the Patriots. And at this point, they really haven't done anything for that outside of getting the quarterback. And, you know, I think this could be the first step, one or the other, whether it's Bell or Brown. I think that Bell would have a bigger effect than Brown would. I don't necessarily think that Brown's style of play works very well with Allen at quarterback. I could be completely wrong on that. Who knows? But I think that it'd be interesting to see Bell end up there. And I think one place I would love to see Brown. And again, these are both AFC teams just because, you know, these are the first teams that honestly come to my mind. I would love to see Brown out in Oakland or wherever they end up playing. I would love to see him with the Raiders, the question mark Raiders, whether they're in Oakland or Las Vegas or New Mexico or wherever it is that they end up. Pairing up Brown with Carr would be very interesting. I think it would give him kind of that that offensive weapon that he needs. You know, they really lacked that offensive weapon this year. You know, their defense wasn't very good. And if your defense isn't good, you got to do something on the offense. And they just really missed that. They missed that player on the offense. And, you know... Traded Amari Cooper. He did really well in Dallas. So bringing Brown in would be interesting. I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I think that there's a better chance Bell ends up in Buffalo than Brown ends up in Oakland. You never really know. But those are really two teams that I think would be very interesting to see those two guys end up at. You know, they could end up anywhere, if we're being honest. We all know that. But here we sit, kind of heading into this offseason with some big questions. You know, will the Pats continue to blow everyone away? Where will Brown and Bell end up? And what's going on with Todd Gurley and the Rams? You know, those are the kind of the big questions. I think we had a lot of our questions from last season answered coming in. The questions that we had coming into this offseason were answered. Things like, is is Luck going to be back to his normal self? Will he be able to perform? What will the Chiefs look like with a whole season of Pat Mahomes at the helm of that offense? 
you know, those were, I feel like, two of the bigger questions kind of coming in outside of the whole will Bell show up, will he not? Things that actually we saw and had answered were those two big questions. Can't wait to see the season start up again. It's going to be a very long wait. Go out and check the AAF out. If you don't know what that is, it's the American Association of Football or the Association of American Football. I'm not really sure which one it is, but they have some interesting games. You know, it's not everything the NFL is. There's still some major issues with it, and that's what you can expect with something like this, you know, when it's just a startup. But if you're looking for something to kind of tide you over until the next season, I guess you could say, the AAF is doing a great job of that. They have some very entertaining things. They don't call nearly as much penalties as the NFL does. You know, there's some big hits they don't call and things like that. So football's not completely gone, but, you know, the NFL and the level of entertainment that people want with football is gone until at least August, so... Hopefully, you know, hopefully we make it through this long, dark time right now, especially right now. We're kind of in an awkward period where, you know, the NBA season's kind of in the middle of it and they've not really hit any big milestones yet. Same thing with the NHL. You know, there's both of those are kind of in the lull of their season right now. A few more weeks to go until March Madness starts. So that's what I'm looking forward to next outside of what I'm going to be talking about later in baseball. But before I get into baseball, I do have one quick thing I want to say to you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to this, and I hope you guys consider it. I strongly urge you guys to consider starting your own podcast and going through this platform that I'm using. They've been really helpful and very insightful and have helped me get my viewership up. It really helps getting sent out to all these different areas. But without further ado, let's go ahead and continue on to my favorite part of the show, And if you stayed around long enough to get here, I really appreciate you guys because I'm going to be so much more interesting here and I'm going to be so hype. It's just the NFL season ended in such a boring way. It didn't, it kind of trailed off kind of into the sunset, sadly. But guess what, guys? Baseball is around the corner. Spring training starts this week. And if I don't know when I'm going to be posting this, it's possible that it's already started. First spring training game is on Thursday the 21st, and I am excited. I cannot wait. I have missed baseball so much. In case you guys can't tell, baseball is my favorite sport. But here we are. We are so close to the start of the season. You know, spring training signals everything. I guess you could say pitchers and catchers reporting kind of signals it. But spring training really does the job of getting us there and just being like, we've got baseball. We have people out there playing the game, and it is just, I cannot wait to start seeing that, start hearing the pop of the mitts. But, you know, there are some big things that we have to look at coming into the season. There are some serious things to question. Why are some of these people still out here that are unsigned? You know, we have some big name unsigned free agents coming into the first week of baseball, technically. And that is Bryce Harper's still not signed. Manny Machado's still not signed. Craig Kimbrell's not signed. Dallas Keuchel's still not signed. You know, all these people were expected to be signed way before now, but they aren't. Reportedly, Craig Kimbrell is asking for a lot. I really don't know what the price tag is on him. I haven't looked into it a whole lot, but that's supposedly the reason why he is still out on the market is just people don't want to pay up for him. I'm not really sure. I mean, we all know that that's why Harper and Machado are still out there. It's just the, I mean, the price tag on those guys is absolutely insane. In case you missed it, we did have an offer for Machado, supposedly. I'm not really sure if this is true or not, but it was eight years. I'm trying to pull up the money figure on it real quick. Eight years, at least 240 million. 
it was reported and apparently no one's really sure what Machado's interest level in it is but I mean come on man it's eight years 240 million at least and it's like if you're looking for money and that's all you're looking for you're going there you know you can't be looking for money and winning and you know turn down a deal like this if you're just looking for money like if he's looking to win he's gonna have to take a smaller check than that at this point I think you know the Phillies are still supposedly big spenders and looking into both of them but here we sit this close and nothing has happened it kind of came out within this past week everyone thought coming into his free agency the Cubs were going to be big players for Bryce Harper but apparently according to the owner Tom Ricketts the reason why they haven't looked into it is quite simple they just don't have the money so who knows who knows what's going on I don't really know I think part of it is, you know, how much these guys are asking for. I mean, this these are big price tags on players, and yes, they're younger and everything, but looking for these longer deals and everything is so risky for clubs because it's like, okay, I'm going to sink a lot of money into you right away. It's going to be worth it. You know, I'm going to have these solid seasons from Harper and Machado, but then we're going to get kind of towards the end of these contracts. Are these guys still going to be the same guys that they were at the beginning of it or am I going to be just kind of tossing money at it and you know I look at it like this you kind of sit back and look at the Albert Pujols contract it was a great idea at the time he was still relatively young and everything and he was playing well and he didn't necessarily play bad at the beginning of his time in Los Angeles with the Angels but now they've got all this money sunk into him and it's just kind of he's DH primarily he doesn't really play a whole lot in the field anymore and i think he still has one or two I mean he's got at least one year on the contract I don't know how long his contract has to go I don't remember when he signed it I want to say he signed it he signed it when I was in high school I know that so it's got at least one more year to two years left on it and so you have to sit back and look at it and that's how I see it if I'm the owner of a baseball team I'm not going to want to go out and sink all this money into this player for 10 years eight to ten years and only get four good years of usage out of him. If he was willing to take a short-term contract with a lot of money, then yes, I would do it. Like if I if I could sign Machado or Harper to a four-year deal for a high price tag or a five-year deal, yeah, I mean it would be tough to say no to it at that point. But I feel like the issue comes when they throw in the I want the eight to ten years. There's just there's nothing you can say about that. I don't know if that's why Craig Kimbrell's still out there because he's asking for just a high price instead of a long contract or what Dallas Keuchel I can kind of understand why he's still out there he is he did not pitch well this last year if you watched him if you followed his stats you know he's still a good at least two or three guy you know you could still throw him out there for that and it's very possible that he bounces back and you know it's always possible that a pitcher bounces back so I can kind of understand why Dallas Keuchel's out there you know with that offseason but these those three of Harper, Machado, and Kimbrell are all great players. It's just what, I mean, we haven't even really heard of anything being offered outside of what the Padres offered to Machado and then what the Nationals offered to Harper to try and get him to stay. And those are the only two that we've really heard. I mean, we have heard a little bit that the Braves might try and bring Kimbrell back. And then, you know, we heard a little bit that the Yankees were interested in Keiko, but we've never really heard a definitive, oh, so-and-so has been offered this contract for this much money outside of those two contracts to Machado and Harper. And I knew that as soon as 
the Nats lost in the playoffs last year to the Cubs that Harper was going to be gone in the off, like the offseason. He could become a free agent. And I just knew that because Harper wants to win. And I think that's the issue with Harper is that he's having a hard time finding a place that's going to give him all the money that he wants as well as offer him a chance to win. And so that's kind of a big issue for him. And I think that you kind of see that same thing with Machado. But I think Machado's issue is more of a... Who are we going to get into our clubhouse? Are we going to get the guy who threw a big fit in Baltimore? Are we going to get the guy who came in and really helped the Dodgers at the end of the last year? It is a big kind of roulette wheel. And if they're not careful, I don't, I mean, I don't know what we're going to see coming into this season with those four guys. You know, and it's not just them. There's so many other people. It wasn't until this past week that Mike Moustakis got uh, re-signed by the Brewers. And there's just there's some other players out there. I believe Martin Maldonado, maybe. I don't know if that's his first name. I know his last name is Maldonado, catcher. He's still unsigned. And there's some other good players that are just unsigned. And we saw it last year with the slow market, but this seems to be so much worse than last year. I mean, we have all these big-name guys, and there's still nothing. Yes, like I said, I mean, we did see it last year. J.D. Martinez didn't get signed until either right before spring training or right after it started. I'm not really sure when it was, but he was on the quiet side and then finally got signed. And, you know, it's not crazy to see that, especially when you have guys asking for 200 plus million over the course of eight to 10 years. Someone has to do something. I mean, this is getting really bad for them. If they want to play baseball, they're going to have to choose one or the other at this point, it seems like. They're going to either going to have to choose the long contract with a lot of money or the chance to win with a shorter contract, but still probably just as much money in the end. And I think that we're going to end up seeing at least Machado sign within the next couple of weeks because I think that Machado has a little bit more to worry about when it comes to signing than we see with these other guys. But who really knows at this point? I just want to see him sign somewhere because I want to know what to expect in this upcoming season. You know, we did have some big things go on. We saw Andrew Miller get signed, the trade of Paul Goldschmidt. Um, let's see here. What else happened? The Yankees bolstered their pitching depth and... You know, it's just it's crazy that we do see some of these bigger moves that are going to help teams. But we've also seen these two. Really, it's just the two. It's Harper and Machado coming into this offseason that everyone was like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Where are they going to go? Who's going to end up playing where? But here we sit, you know, on they're still out there as well as these other two guys that, you know, a lot of people expected to be on a team by now. A lot of people expected them to be reporting and getting ready to play and practicing with their teams, but they still aren't. That's that's just kind of what's going on with those guys. I could sit here and I could talk to you guys about it for days and still be confused because I don't understand it. I don't know if it's them just not wanting to budge or if it's they really just aren't getting any good offers because, you know, when things get out there and get offered, we don't necessarily hear what's going on like the breaking news of Machado being offered eight years for 240 million dollars that was one of the first real things and we can't even really be sure that that's the truth until we see something signed or we see Machado and someone come out and actually say that I feel like a lot of them I feel like a lot of times people get offered stuff and then like there's a news break of oh they got offered this but in reality it's not that like I feel like a lot of times the media is trying to paint a picture negatively uh, either of the team or the player, whether it's, oh, the player got offered this huge contract to turn it down, or if it's the media trying to go, oh, the team really undersold him and is just not trying to play fairly and blah, blah, blah. 
But either way, these guys have to start signing because we want to see the likes of these guys out there on the field this year. You know, everyone wants to because if we're being honest, they keep trying to change baseball and trying to get away from the root of the game. And this is going to be a big issue if some of these more interesting players aren't going to be out there starting or, you know, closing the game in the case of (laughs) Craig Kimbrell. Speaking of change, there are some big proposed changes out there trying to weasel their way into the MLB. The pitch clock has been a big question that people have been looking at for, I mean, multiple years. I can't think of when it first showed up just because of how often we've heard it. But this year, it seems like we're closer than ever to getting the pitch clock. It's going to be used in spring training, and I think they said that it's also going to be used in the All-Star game. I want to say I'm not 100% sure on the All-Star game part, but I do know that it is going to be put into the spring training with it still kind of up in the air as to whether or not they'll use it in the regular season. Now, there's not an issue with it. I don't really have an issue with it. Sometimes it does get annoying when you have a pitcher up there taking forever or, you know, they're shaking off every call and then the batter calls timeout and everything. And sometimes that does get annoying. But I feel like what they're trying to do is speed up the game and turn a three-hour game into a two-and-a-half-hour game. And they're trying to bring in more viewership that way. And it's like, odds are, if someone wasn't going to sit around and watch a three-hour game, they're not going to sit around and watch a a two-and-a-half-hour game. I, I get that they're trying to bring in more casual fans and they're trying to keep the game interesting and everything. But adding a pitch clock doesn't necessarily do that. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not necessarily a big opponent of it. If they put it in, they put it in. If they don't, they don't. I would love to see them not put it in and just keep the game as it is because it really does kind of bring up that suspense in some of these games when it's the late inning and you've got the reliever out there and they're having a miscommunication with the catcher or whatever. They don't want a certain pitch thrown to a batter. And I I get it. You know, I I like that aspect of the game. It does build up that suspense when it's bottom of the eighth tie game or bottom of the ninth tie game even more. Like when it gets to these later innings, having this time to kind of like sit back and just like let the tension sit there is what makes baseball so interesting because it's not like football or basketball where you can kind of just dribble out the clock or run the ball into the line and just run things out. You have to throw the ball over the plate. You have to give the other team their chance to win. And that's one thing that I love about baseball. And I'm kind of worried might get lost in this scrum is that, hey, at the end of the day, there is no just wasting time and just ruining the game that way. It is going to be, it is going to come down to the ninth inning. Whether the game is 20 to zero or whether it's one to zero, it's going to come down to that last at bat because you never know when a team's going to go off and all of a sudden, the two run game turns into a six run game in favor of the other team. Like that's just, that's amazing thing with baseball. And I feel like putting a pitch clock does kind of change that. Another thing that kind of changes that is the, another rule that they're looking at putting in. And I kind of like this rule more than I like the pitch clock rule. And that's the three batter minimum for relievers, unless an inning is over. So if they come out with two outs in an inning and get the last out, they don't have to go out for the next inning and pitch two outs just to get out of that inning. Like if they go out and they get that last out, the pitcher or the manager can bring someone in new for the start of the next inning. I like this just because I'm tired of seeing people bring in pitchers just for one batter to get a lefty on lefty matchup or a righty on righty matchup. I get the strategy behind it. I get that it's going to be tougher for the batter, but I want to see someone out there who's grinding to win, whether they're pitching against someone that they have a clear help with, whether it's, you know, a righty versus righty. 
I want I want to see the right-handed reliever out there pitching against everyone, not just the righty batter, not, you know, I don't want to see the lefty just against the lefty. I want to see someone out there working to win. And obviously they're all working to win, you know. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, they're just they're jokes, like they're whatever. Like the, no, clearly no. I would never say that. I mean, reliever is super tough to come in not having been in the game to come in and pitch one batter is tough. But I I hate to see it when a manager goes out there and uses three relievers in an inning because it goes righty, lefty, righty. And so they bring out the righty reliever and then they bring out the lefty reliever and then they bring out the righty reliever and everything. I want to see the manager of the team that's out there on the field make the decision, okay, this is our biggest threat here in the lineup. Let's bring someone out that's going to counteract him and then we'll worry about the rest of it, you know, make our pitcher do it. Like, I feel like it's going to raise the game for the relievers in a good way. So I am a big, big fan of that. I think that it would be a great rule change. I think it'd be really interesting. You know, they're also looking at limiting five mound visits compared to six. I personally didn't notice this past year, like that mound visit limit. I didn't really notice it a whole lot throughout the season. I don't think that limiting it down to five would be as much of a change. I think if they looked at a deeper change to like four mound visits, then we would see it a little bit more. But six, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily see the difference. And then they're also looking at the universal DH. And I will stand by and say, I do not want to see a universal DH. I will continue to say that. I think that that is the last thing truly separating the AL and the NL. And, you know, if they get rid of that, then they might as well just do a mass realignment of everyone and get rid of everything altogether when it comes to like the AL and NL and just have, just go at it that way. I mean, there's really nothing changing the two besides that DH. So I really don't want to see that change. I think that we are seeing a lot less people be professional DHs. I don't think we see it as much as we used to. I think that players are starting to have to play on the field more and prove themselves that way, as well as being able to DH. You know, you saw with JD Martinez, I think he was a big one that kind of we see frequently. And that's the player who can play in the outfield and do decent in the outfield and then is able to DH um, on certain days when they need him to be off the field, I guess you could say. The other player that really comes to mind is Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs. You know, until last year, he did have a lot of putouts in the outfield, but he still did make a lot of errors. And I still think that there is a big gap between his talent level and the talent level of a lot of average left fielders. And this is strictly just speaking field. This isn't talking about what he can do at the plate, but I think that those are kind of more of your stereotypical nowadays DH. Obviously, Schwarber's not a DH because he's in the NL, but those are kind of what we're seeing more from these teams and these players is that they do have guys that are great at the plate, but then they they also have you know the ability to swing them out in the outfield when they need it, when so-and-so in the outfield needs a break or something like that. And so I think that a step to the universal DH would be a really, really bad idea. And I really hope that we can at least see a few more years without looking at that switch happen. Who really knows? I do think I'm going to drop a bomb here on you guys at the end. I do think that there's a strike or a lockout looming. I am kind of getting worried about that. There seems to be some building tension between the MLB and the MLB Players Association. I don't want to see a lockout, but it's probably going to end up happening. We're probably going to end up seeing one in the upcoming years, and it's going to suck. But I think that in the end, you know, these players do deserve to be listened to at some times. And sometimes I think that just goes over the head. 
I really hope we don't see it. But like I said, I expect it to. It just seems like tensions are growing, especially with a lot of these changes that they're wanting to make to the game. I do think that that kind of helps bring up the possibility of having a strike. We're not really going to know until it happens or until someone comes out and says it. But that's kind of all I've got on the topic of baseball right now. That's really all I got for you guys in this episode in general. Be on the lookout for some upcoming episodes. Uh, probably, probably going to be more focused on baseball. Hopefully, you know, someone gets signed if there are some big NFL moves in the offseason, you know, right after the season or right after the new year starts. And then we've also got, you know, the NBA going on, college basketball is going on. So that might be the next thing that you hear from me is more about college basketball because, hey, March Madness is a knocking on the door and I can't wait to hear it that was really cheesy I'm sorry guys but uh I don't really know what's going to come out next it just kind of depends on what the sports landscape looks like at the time hopefully in two weeks is when you guys will hear from me again I'm trying to get on that kind of train right now is once every two weeks I would like to build bump it up at some point but I just don't have the time right now so be on the lookout follow us on social media we have an Instagram page at Pod. You guys can email us if you have any questions. We have a Gmail, benchwarmingpod at gmail.com. You know, just just reach out to us. We're really trying to get this off the ground and reach you guys and just share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, coworkers, whoever it is. Put us on on your ride to work. Listen to us when you're at the gym. Whatever it is, you know, we just want to thank you guys for helping us all along. You guys are great. And we'll see you next time. Peace.